Welcome to the Hills Church at Home. I guess we could call this the December Christmas edition. So glad that you're a part. In fact, I'd encourage you to do uh, a couple things. You can download our message notes. If you just go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. You can also download the kids activity sheet. And I'd encourage you to do this however you're viewing, whether it's with your family, maybe some friends, even if you happen to be by yourself, on the very second page of our message notes is a time of communion that you can actually receive communion wherever you are with your family. And you can go through that as we begin this, really this month of December, reflecting and remembering the birth of Jesus. I read an article the other day, uh, Christian Headlines website, and it said this December, one in five Americans are really um, rethinking and examining the meaning of Christmas. So my prayer is, as we go through these scriptures today, that you are not just thinking of the ornaments and the decorations. Christmas isn't about that. Christmas is about us remembering the birth of Jesus. He was coming and he is coming soon. So if you have your Bibles, you can open with me to John chapter one. In fact, I wanna read a few verses today. You know, we read about the story of the birth of Jesus in Matthew and Luke's gospel. But in today, John kind of picks up uh, Jesus from the beginning in some powerful words. In fact, let, let me read this today. This is John chapter one, starting in verse 10, talking about Jesus. And it says, he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Listen to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Let me read that again. In fact, I'd encourage you, wherever you are, read that verse out loud with me. John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, a couple things that I wrote down that John's gospel reminds us that when Jesus came, um, the people, fact of that time, they didn't know of him that he came. And John lets us know they didn't receive him. Uh, God sent Jesus, as we read in Isaiah, we read the word Emmanuel, which is God with us. He came and moved in right next to us. And this Jesus came 
to not only change our lives, but to transform our lives. This word became flesh. You know, when I begin to think about that, if you think about Jesus in eternity already, having to empty himself and become fixed in this human body, in becoming flesh and bone, just like you, you and I, Jesus accepted those limitations. In fact, he became vulnerable to the very weaknesses that accompany our flesh. He had to go through hunger and thirst, tiredness and physical pain. He experienced every emotional feeling that you and I go through. Disappointment, sorrow, hurt, loneliness, and rejection. Yet he did every single one of these feelings without sin. In fact, we read in John chapter 14, verse 36, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's crying out because of what's physically coming upon him. We read this verse in John 14, 36, and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not at my will, but yours be done. As Jesus was receiving upon himself all of the beginnings of the sin and the sickness and the disease and the pain all upon him for a moment in time. He was trying to think of another possible way, but notice he caught himself. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. While Jesus never committed a sin on earth, he experienced sin in a way that was far more overwhelming than committing the sin. What caused him to cry out in Gethsemane? What caused him to sweat out blood? Jesus never sinned, but he was about to drink the cup containing all of the dark evilness of this world through sin for all mankind, past, present, and future, all compressed. Think about that. All the evilness and wickedness of sin compressed in a moment of time to come physically upon him. And that's where we read, he became the sin for us. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. Now, as we shift for just a minute, I want us to go back to the birth of Jesus and let's for just a moment think about the setting of his birth. In fact, we, we read, and we'll read in a few minutes, there's a census that's going to take place, so all of the people are going to go have to, back to their hometown to be registered for the census. This little town is now going to be a busy town because of all of the family gatherings and people coming back in. And so we read this in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, and it says this, Luke captures it uh, for us this way, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all of the world should be registered. This census took place when Quirinius was governing Syria. 
So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Now I'm going to ask the obvious question, why would he call for a census? In fact, if you study and look it up, it was to register people so they knew the different people so that they could charge taxes. That's why, charging taxes. So Bethlehem probably normally is a town of about 300. And most Bible scholars uh, discuss and talk about that this town of 300 is now probably easily a thousand. Some thought it could have swelled up to 3,000. So think about this. Even a town of 300 trying to bring a thousand people in, that's where we come upon when Mary and Joseph have been traveling probably a three days journey and uh, where we read about the inn and the innkeeper, many times it was extra rooms in people's homes where they would stay in family, yet there were inns that were available for people to lodge. And that's why we read in Luke chapter 2, verse 7, where it says, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Here we read right away in uh, Luke's gospel that there was no room for them. In fact, somebody had to turn away a pregnant lady that was about to give birth. There was no room. They couldn't find a bed anywhere. They wouldn't give up their bed. There was no room for them in the inn. You know, many times when I reflect on these scriptures, we notice that when people are coming back to be registered, we read this. We read that families are coming together. It's an exciting time. They're catching up. Remember, this is before all the technology that we have. They're catching up with one another. They're busyness. They're celebrating. They're enjoying company. And yet in the busyness for this innkeeper, this innkeeper business must have been good, yet the innkeeper was so busy that the innkeeper turned away a pregnant lady. And yet later on in Matthew's gospel, Matthew captures this for us of another event taking place in Matthew chapter two, verse three and four. And it says, when Herod the king heard this, heard what? Well, this is the story of the wise men that have already been traveling. They've already seen a star. They come to Herod and they want to inquire about not only the star, but the birth of this king of the Jews. It says, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. You know, there's a lot of things happening, taking place here in this little town of Bethlehem, from a census being called, from families coming together, from an inn that's so busy, and then to a leader that is threatened by a baby that's born that's supposed to be king of the Jews because wise men have been traveling. And notice what Herod does. Herod, he doesn't know anything about this, so he gathers the one that should know. And the one that should know are the chief priests and the scribes, and yet they're trying to determine. In fact, we know this according to the scripture, 
that the, the one, the ruler Micah prophesied would be born in Bethlehem, the smallest of cities. Isn't it interesting on this, what we would call the original Christmas, that people are busy, people are celebrating with family, business is good, you know, things are, are, are moving along, you don't have time to help somebody, and somebody's threatened by a baby. He wants to keep his power so much he's threatened by a baby. He wants to know about this baby. And later on, if you read the Gospels, he's going to make sure that if this child was born, that this child would be killed because he's going to order that all of the male babies two years and under are killed. There's a lot of events taking place here. You know, when we read this story, we reflect back on that prophesied, in fact, even how God mentioned in Genesis chapter 3 that there would be one coming that would crush the head of the serpent. And all through the Bible, in Isaiah, we read about Jesus is coming soon. In Micah, it's prophesied where he's going to be born. You know, we read in uh, even Isaiah 61 about what he's going to do. Jesus is coming soon, and on this moment, at this time in history... In Matthew and Luke, it's recorded that Jesus is born. But it answers and asks a question of us today. In this month where we celebrate Christmas and we remember about the birth of Jesus, we too can get caught up in busyness of the day, in spending time with family and hanging the decorations and thinking of the right gift for somebody. For many, some people are threatened, think about it, they're threatened about Christmas. They don't want to think about it, they don't want to revisit it, and yet it's the exact time for us to remember that it was prophesied that Jesus was coming soon and he came. But I also want us to have in mind this Christmas season, that though Jesus came, lived, died, rose again, he is coming soon. You know, one of the last words that we read uh, that Jesus says, and I, I love my Bible because my Bible has the words of Christ in red. We read this in Revelations chapter 22, verse 20. In fact, John tags it, but then he goes right to Jesus's words, and it says, he who testifies of these things, this is John, as he's had that vision in revelations of things to come, and here's how he captures Jesus's words. Jesus says this, surely I am coming quickly. My prayer in this December, uh, in a different December than we've ever celebrated before, that we would be people that are awake and alert and looking at the signs of the times, Let us be, in fact, you can go to last week's message, let us be like those shepherds that were awake, that when the angel came and spoke, they were alert and they were awake to the things that were taking place and they ran so that they could see this child that had been told them. And they didn't just run and see the child, they began to tell the people. But isn't it interesting that when Herod hears of this, The Bible lets us know that Herod was troubled and all the people were troubled. You see, you got to remember this about Jesus. Jesus came to transform our lives. 
He came to take this selfish life and for us to surrender and submit it to him and to give it to him. You know, every year, um, before we decorate and put any ornaments on our tree at all, uh, we do what we call the Christmas nail. In fact, I wanted to read it uh, for us today. Before any ornament is put on the nail, I had somebody give us a nail uh, years ago at one of our churches, and it's something that we do. In fact, we gave it away as an ornament at our church, and it's something that we put on the very first Sunday of the month to remember why we put a tree up. In fact, I want to read it to you, and we'll put it on the screen here. It's called the Christmas Nail. The Christmas Nail is to be hung on a sturdy branch, a branch near the trunk, a branch that will hold such a spike without it being noticed by well-wishers dropping by to admire one's tinseled tree. The nail is known only to the home that it hangs on, understood only by the heart that knows its significance. It is hung with this thought, that the Christmas tree but foreshadows the Christ tree, which only he could decorate for us, ornamented with nails like this. You know, if you haven't done this before, I'd encourage you to do that. You get a nail and you hang it by the center of the tree because it's not a Christmas tree that we put up to decorate, that we remember what Jesus did on that tree for our life. Think of this. From Genesis chapter 3 all the way up until Matthew and Mark through Luke's gospel, Jesus has been at work. He promised, God promised that he would come and he came. And there's that promise that he's coming soon. I need to ask you today, are you ready to meet him? In fact, if you're not, and if you've never said that prayer, I want you to pray that prayer along with us as well. In fact, We'll put it on the screen. But here's what we read out of Romans 10, 9, and 10. That if you pray this prayer and you confess Jesus as Lord, you will be saved. You're believing in your heart that he lived, died, and rose again for you. And he is coming back. Pray this with me. Dear God, I believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose again for me. I accept him as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins. And today I begin my relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, would you take a minute and reach out to us so that we can connect with you? You can email us, info, at hillschurcharcadia.org. If you're viewing by social media today, you can respond back. We would love to connect with you and help you with your very next steps because Jesus has now come into your life and your heart. As we receive our tithes and offerings today, as we do each week, I wanna read a verse and then we'll take a minute to pray into our lives even in these times, in these events, that God would command the blessing on our lives. In fact, we want to read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, a great cornerstone verse, and it says, But without faith, 
it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. You know, that's part of our giving. We give in faith. We don't give unto a church or to a person. We give because we give unto God, because that's what God said to do. And in turn, there's that faith that we release, that we trust that his blessings are coming upon us. So as we pray this prayer together, in fact, it'll be on your screen. Would you pray it? And don't just read it along. Pray it from your heart along with me. Ready? Let's pray this together. As I give in today's offering, I have faith in the God who created the heavens and the earth. The God who has given us his infallible world. The God who promises and never breaks his word. I have faith in my God who shall supply all that is needed when it is needed. He is never late and he's never early, but he's always on time every time. I choose to put my trust in the Lord again today in Jesus' name, amen. If you're giving today, you can do so a couple of ways. You can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org, and on the top menu, you can click on the Give button. It's safe, it's fast, and it's secure. You can also give by mail, and you can write to us, the Hills Church, P.O. Box 661419, Arcadia, California, 91066. Hey, and before we go, don't forget to receive communion, whether you're viewing today with your family, whether you're with another person or maybe even by yourself, take that second page out, grab some juice and some bread or whatever you have to drink or something to eat, and, and come before the Lord and pray those prayers concerning your life and go back to his promises, his covenant over you. In fact, if you need prayer, if you want to reach out for a praise report, email us. We would love to hear about it. And as we, we do each week, we end with Psalm 121, 1 and 2. And I want this to be something that we pray over our lives, that we remember this, that I look to the hills. But where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you this Christmas season. Let's remember this. Jesus is coming soon.